When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is the perfect story? We may never know, but we'll sure as hell keep trying. In this special Infinity War bonus episode of The Midnight Myth, we'll pit your favorite Marvel heroes and villains against each other in a battle royale of some pretty surprising scenarios. It's the Boomerangarang. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. episodes boomerangarang bonus episode i was not ready for that song but i think it got me right in the mood for the boomerangarang all right guys here is what we're going to be doing today super stoked infinity war is coming out it's the culmination of 10 years of movie making by uh the marvel cinematic universe all been building up to this one moment we're excited and to get ourselves in the mindset, in the flavor, in the uh, the the place where we want to be psychologically for this epic, huge movie, we are going to play a game. So here are the rules. Very simple. You are encouraged to play along at home. I have in a hat a several MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes and villains. We are each going to draw a... MCU hero or villain, and that will be the character we are advocating for. Then in a second hat. We have a lot of hats. We have a lot of hats. We wear lots of hats in this house. In the second hat are scenarios to which the heroes are going to have to be in. And we are going to argue why our hero or villain would be better at scenario. Just a like, example here, this is something that won't be in the hat. Let's say the hero is Wolverine. I know he's not in the MCU, but that's why I picked him. And the scenario is dances like a ballerina. And I would have to argue that better than Laurel, that Wolverine dances better than a ballerina, and her hero could be Cyclops. Get it? Yeah. Everyone got it? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Rules are simple. Let's dive right in. Let's do it. Let's grab our first hero from the hero hat. Laurel, who is your hero or villain? I have Nick Fury. I have Iron Man. Wow, okay. Now, this is going to be interesting. We have to see what like, the scenario would is. Would you like to pick the scenario from the hat? I will do the honors. All right, so what is our scenario? Cooking a souffle. Oh, wow. Cooking a souffle. I can take this one first if Go you like. It. All right, a souffle is a really delicate piece of uh, of cuisine. It is something that is made with eggs 
and milk and flour and butter, and it is, it is a very delicate process. When you cook a souffle, you have to have patience, you have to have faith, and you have to have trust. You cannot fly off the faith. handle. Okay, wow. You cannot, you cannot lose your patience. You have to be an excellent manager and someone who is able to read a room, if you will. Because if you open up that oven too early and let air into the souffle, or if you take it out too soon, it'll lose all the air that's in it and it will fall flat. I believe that between Tony Stark and Nick Fury, for who could bake a better souffle, I have to go with Nick Fury because... He is an excellent manager. He is somebody who is able to rally people to his side because he trusts and understands people. He can look around a room and understand exactly what is happening and what everybody is thinking and know what they need to hear to move on. If he is, if he is going to be my souffle whisperer, I feel good in those hands. He's going to open it up at the exact right time, and that souffle is going to stand tall just like the Avengers that he helped organize. Impressive opening argument. I am. I, I was very moved, and I found that to be a very compelling. But there are a few problems here, and the problems are, I will hopefully convince you all very deep. Nick Fury, the leader of Shield, was so bad at his job that Hydra infiltrated his entire organization and destroyed it. This is a man who's never had to make a meal. For, him, for himself ever in his entire life. And Tony Stark has? Wait for it. Wait for it. Now, Nick Fury is a spy. And being a spy does not mean that you can cook. But what is cooking? Cooking is essentially building. It's taking ingredients, understanding how those ingredients interact, and putting them in an environment where you can control those interactions for a desired result. Cooking is a science. And who, who is one of the top scientists in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe? Bruce Banner. Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark. He invented the Iron Man suit. He invented Ultron. This is a man that will see the problem of how to make a souffle, break it down to its smallest components, and design a machine that will make it better than any human could have ever made it, all while he's just drinking scotch and blowing things up. The answer, my friends, is Iron Man. I would love to just quickly rebut it. I think you've made an excellent point, and I think that that's absolutely true. He would deconstruct and re-engineer the souffle so that it could never fall flat. I think he would do an excellent job of innovating that form. But when you say that cooking is a science, you're not wrong. But I have to also argue that cooking is not just a science, it's an art. And it's for me, especially with something like a souffle, the art of transformation. And if anybody has shown me transformation, it's a character who took a bunch of people who were individuals and looking out for themselves and transformed them into a team. So you're saying that Avengers building is a comparable skill to cooking. I'm working on a metaphor <laughs> that's your, here. That's your, I that's your, that's your argument. Fury out of a hat. Where I, I have one of the greatest inventors and technologists and builders ever who would simply invent a better form of souffle. All right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to throw in my two cents. All right. Should we, we score? Should we score? Do you, who, who do we want to score the winner of this one? Uh, I won that one, obviously. Okay. So. You can have it. It's fine. So, you got the better draw. 
Well, I have Iron Man. He's like one of the best heroes of all time. I think um, our, our listeners can vote. Yes, please vote. Vote along. So, yeah. um, in fact, we won't score. You guys will tell us who is winning. Absolutely. All right, so moving to our next hero or villain from the MCU. Laurel, who do you got? I have Captain America. Oh, damn it. I wanted that one. I have Spider-Man. Wow. Captain America versus Spider-Man. I got your favorite and you got my favorite. I know. Well, they're pretty much the two best. This is going to be really hard to argue against Spider-Man. He'd make a great souffle. He would definitely make a great souffle. All right. So the scenario is holding in a fart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Holding in a fart. Which one of these characters would be better at holding in a fart? Do you want to take that one? Let me take the lead. So Peter Parker, Spider-Man, there's one thing that Peter Parker knows how to do, and that's hold in a fart. And the reason we know this is he has spent most of his life chasing the girl of his dreams, Mary Jane. And as a man who has chased many a woman in my day, when you are pursuing the object of your affections, you can't fart. You have to hold in the fart. And it trains you on how to hold in farts as well as how to strategically let said farts go when the opportunity arises. Spider-Man has super strength. He has super senses. He has precognitive abilities. And he has a scientifically minded brain. All of those things mean that he can master and control his body in ways that no one else ever really could and makes him the ideal candidate for holding in a fart. I think that's an amazing argument. Why, I think thank you. that Peter Parker would be excellent at holding in a fart for the exact um, reasons that you just laid out. Uh, I do have to say, though, we, we have to remember where we are and who we are. We are Americans. We are all Americans. And we all like to walk into a room and smell fresh potpourri. Or we like to smell a fresh apple pie baking in the windowsill or hot dogs at a ball game, and Cracker Jacks. I see what All you're doing. these classic <laughs> American things. If there is one Avenger who exemplifies America, it's the one with America in his name. It's the one who wears the American flag on his suit and on his shield and carries himself with such decorum and such composure at all times and who, yes, falls in love and wants to impress women, but more than just wanting to come off looking good or looking, looking polite, he truly believes in the, in, in the old, you know, steadfast and stoic man of America, which is an upright citizen who will stand up for those who are, who are less fortunate and who will jump first into battle, and who will never, ever, when he is standing on the front lines, never let one go for the next line behind him. This man, Captain America, would never <laughs> fart on the person behind him. I, I, what, can, what, am I, what can I say against that? Because I have no counter argument. You just tugged at all of my heartstrings. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Captain America, he's probably so awesome he doesn't ever even need to I fart. I don't think he needs to fart. <laughs> All right, I'm scoring that one a win. When I got he does, nothing. he farts apple pie. That is a win for Laurel right then and there. I have absolutely nothing. 
Captain America holds in the fart better than Spider-Man. He holds in a great Spider-Man fart. would be good at holding in no, farts. No, that was a great argument. Yeah, he would be really good at it, but I mean, come on. Captain America is never going to fight fart on the man behind him. That's just it's a perfect true. argument. It's true. All, All right. right. Moving to next our next, who you got? Vision. Rocket Raccoon. Okay, what's the scenario? Okay, wow. Very different characters. What is the scenario? Solving the Israel-Palestine conflict. Oh, man. <laughs> Something tells me that Vision might be better at this than Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do my best here. <laughs> so um, there's not much that I have to say. The, the draw has really, has really helped me out. Luck of the draw, if you will. Um, if you are a piece of sentient AI who is given consciousness and form by the mind gem and you are, are there to provide guidance and also to learn what it is to be human for the first time with superior intelligence to every other human that you come into contact with, you are absolutely going to be an ideal candidate for stepping into international relations. Uh, you know, if you want to put somebody into that conflict who understands it abstractly, who has read every single piece of code on the internet and has read every bibliography of Israel and Palestine from, from here to eternity, uh, then you have an objective voice. You have someone who is not vested in either side, but someone who also feels human compassion because of the new powers that he has been endowed with. Uh, so I think because of that, if you put this person into that conflict, he is going to listen and he is going to come up with the most logical and also compassionate solution. Um, and I actually am convincing myself that we should do this. We should get the vision <laughs> into this. Vision to solve and the I think it would go great. Yeah. Vision would probably be very good at that. Um, Rocket Raccoon is a genetically altered raccoon who has evolved intelligence. He is immoral. He has a substance abuse issue. He's a thief. He doesn't get along well with others. He's a criminal. Uh, he's a pretty much a space pirate. He is all in all, like, barely even a hero. And, you know, it takes the whole first Guardians of the Galaxy movie for him to stop being a bad guy and become a good guy at the very end. So Rocket Raccoon, I don't know if he's going to be better at this than Vision. But here's what I am seeing. Rocket Raccoon takes a look at the Palestinians. He takes a look at the Israelis. I've got an idea. And he blows the whole fucking thing up. That would solve and then, it. And then problem <laughs> solved. There's no more Israel and there Palestine. There is no more problem. Oh, <laughs> God. Vision dark. would be like, what, 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 what did you do, Rocket? He's like, what? You told me to solve the problem. I solved it. Blew them all up. Oh, my God. <laughs> he would just murder them all. He totally would. <laughs> yep. So, I, I commend you for, for taking that on and taking it seriously. That's what he would do. He would slaughter, like, okay, I've got a good way out of this. If they're all dead, there's no more conflict. Yeah. And that's, that's really what he would do. very dark. That's um, very, very dark, but that's what Rocket <laughs> Raccoon would do. Thank you for offering that solution. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just going to score that one a question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you tell us, listeners. listeners uh, I don't really want to invite that conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Rocket Raccoon murders everyone. Vision creates peace. Moving on. Who's next? 
Who is next? I, let's see what we got here. I have Hela, the goddess of death. Oh, wow. We have our first villain in yeah. the arena. I have the Scarlet Witch. Oh, hey. Yeah. All right. Great. All right. So let me pick the great, scenario great, great. here. Okay. And the scenario Fun- is. Funeral director. Uh-uh. Professor of moral philosophy. All right. All right. This is an interesting one. Let me, uh, let me kick off here. So Scarlet Witch has the ability to enter into other people's minds and create illusions that they see. She can also um, use this power uh, also to move objects with her mind. She is the subject in the MCU of uh, experiments from Baron Von Strucker. In the comic book, she's Magneto's daughter. But anyway, so she has gone through intensive experiments in Sokovia from a Hydra agent. And... Her entire motus operandi was to kill the Avengers. And through working with Ultron, she ends up joining the Avengers. She has seen the ins and outs of morality in a way that very few characters in the MCU truly have. I think this would guide her to wanting to crack open the books and to start studying morality and start trying to learn what is right, what is wrong. And this would translate into whether or not she should use her powers, how should she use her powers, um, whether or not the Avengers are right or in the wrong. And we find her taking a staunch uh, deontological stance in Civil War by siding with Captain America, saying, sorry, we will not subject our freedom to the Sokovia Accords, no matter what, because that is wrong. So we see her in moral grayness. We see her in moral certainty. And all of this experience would lend her to becoming a great moral philosopher. So I think she would be both good as a researcher in researching morality. I think she would add to the dialogue and then she would become a great teacher. I think that's great. Um, yeah, no, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense that she's been thrown into this moral conflict herself. And so she would, she would be good at translating that for other people. I think you're absolutely right about that. Where my concern with a character like that who has been in such turmoil and in such tumult when it comes to uh, morality and determining her morality, especially because it has been so changeable in the past, is I, I wonder if that's the right stuff for a person who's going to be teaching young people, the minds of tomorrow. I do think that there is a level of removal that is important if you're teaching uh, moral philosophy. Um, I I don't think you can align too heavily with one or the other in order to um, explain to young people without bias what every moral philosophy is. I don't think you can go in as a Kantian, categorical, imperative-driven person and teach a good moral philosophy class without putting your own implicit bias on that. And what is the great equalizer? What is the great thing that makes all moral philosophies bow before it? It's death. What what defines all of us and how we have to categorize and understand our lives? It's going to end. We are all going to die. The person who is who, who is in charge of that, who is the daughter of that, who is the arbiter of that, has the widest lens because she is so intimately uh, connected to death and to the end of life. 
Hela, the goddess of death, has a level of removal from the uh, the miniature stakes and the self-importance of, uh, of someone smaller, of us, that I think would make her an excellent moral philosophy teacher because I don't think she has those biases. No way. As soon as a, a student asks her a question, she's going to throw a dagger through their throat. Yeah, but it would be a great lesson. <laughs> Wouldn't she be murdering her own, her own <laughs> Everybody students? in the class would be like, oh, I understand now. Morality is relative. Yeah. <laughs> That's Absolutely. all I've got. It's a good... It's. It, I give you major credit for pulling like one of the most vicious villains of the MCU as a moral uh, philosophy professor. So I give you credit for crafting that argument. I but it was straight total, out of my ass. Yeah. Total poppycock. All right, cool. I'm scoring that one a win for me. Yeah, yeah. All right, so who you got, Laurel? Black Panther. Oh, that's a good one. Damn. Peter Quill, the Star-Lord. Pick the scenario. Scenario. The what scenario do we got? is... Being the father figure in a 50s-style family TV program. <laughs> These are the oh, best man. characters we could have drawn for this. Oh, my oh, God. This is great. Am I going first? <laughs> Go for it. I went first last time. All right. Okay. Being the father fi- figure in a 50s-style TV program. I cannot imagine a better character for this than uh, than Black Panther. That's true. Um, only, only Captain Rogers, only Captain America, rather, yeah, would be better. Uh, but but for a character who is, uh, is, you know, if you've seen Black Panther, you know how important the father-son relationship is to it. Um, and you know that he has... Uh, T'Challa has this connection to Killmonger, Eric Killmonger, who did not have, um, you know, the the sustained and long relationship with his father that T'Challa was able to have. And the grief that happens when you lose it really helps to put into perspective the importance of having a strong and powerful father figure who is going to set a good example and and be honest and prepare you for the world. Uh, and T'Challa, when he has babies oh my God, he's going to be an amazing father because he had a great example before him who was flawed, but who who did good by his people and did good by T'Challa in the end. And he has learned from the mistakes of those who came before him and is ready to take on that challenge and will pass on so much of his knowledge, so much of his tradition, and also so much of the innovation that he has brought about. And Think about that family on a sitcom. Like, think about Shuri as like the weird, crazy aunt who runs in and is like, "Look at these crazy shoes that I made," and the laugh track and the, uh, you know, dual cameras. It's just gonna be it's it's gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be a really innovative sitcom too because you've got the Wakandan. Um, you know, we've got the Wakandan traditions with the technology and then you have T'Challa as the head of the family who's coming in and he's putting his foot down about this, but his feet are in those funny little uh, sandals. And what are those? I just, I can totally see it. And T'Challa is going to be an amazing father figure on a 50 style TV sitcom. Yeah, yeah, he is. So Peter Quill would be terrible at this job. He would be awful as the father figure in a 50 style sitcom in every way, except for this one, he would be the funniest. He would crack everybody up. He would try to be this like, leave it to beaver esque style dad, father knows best style dad, but he'd really be Homer Simpson. Yeah. But he'd be making mistakes and, and getting drunk and, 
you know, accidentally, you know, stealing things. And he would be so bad at it that it would end up being a reverse where the kids are actually teaching him how to be a better adult. So in the Peter Quill world, it is a comedy. It is just full of just outrageous, zany humor, and it inverts the trope, right? And it takes that that father knows best to father to know shit. <laughs> you know, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, so that's what his would be, which I think means that you have to win this because, you know, Black Panther would be better at it. Yeah, but that's a great argument. That's the exact argument that I would have made. So I think they, they both would be, would be well-received TV shows. I'm scoring that a win for you. I'll take it. Yeah. I will definitely take it. All, All right. right. What's next? Who do we have next? Oh, yes. Baby Groot. Loki. Oh, you got Loki? Loki versus Baby Groot. And what, what is our scenario? Our scenario is being a dentist. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Baby Groot would be so good at dentistry. Would he now? Absolutely. He'd be so good at dentistry. One, he'd be a dentist where, you know, he would be able to entertain all of the kids because he'd be going, I am Groot. I am Groot. And the kids would be laughing hysterically. His ability to grow new branches and leaves can be used to help clean teeth and fill cavities. Um, He would uh, have a a nice gentleness to uh, Groot and baby Groot. So he'd be gentle when he needs to be. But if he ever had to like get a little more physical and like tie someone down because they were being a bad patient, he could do that. Like dentists never need to be physical, but you get what my meaning is. So I think all in all, you give him, you know, some dental school and boom, he would be one of the greatest dentists in the universe. Sure. Yeah. I think there are a couple ways to interpret this question of who would be the better dentist. Uh, and I think I'm going to take a, a slightly different interpretation of the question because um, I'm, I'm not going to say that Loki as a dentist is going to have people leaving great Yelp reviews uh, and people are not going to leave happy. But isn't it, isn't it right for a dentist to leave you like totally destroyed and never wanting to go back? No. So <laughs> No, that's not right. The dentist is the worst is right? thing in the world. The dentist is a person who smiles at you when you come in. It makes you trust them, makes you think that you can trust them, and then turns around and stabs you in the back or the mouth and does this horrible thing to your teeth that you will never recover from and just, it leaves you feeling numb and it feels totally two-faced and like they just completely betray you. And Loki totally fits the personality of most dentists that I have had. Like, like, don't you don't you go to a dentist and they act all nice and then all of a sudden they just totally change and they're like, open your mouth wide. I'm going to stick this crazy what thing in your mouth. What fucking dentists have you been to? <laughs> that's insane. Lots of them. Is, no. Dentists are evil. No, that's so not true. Dentists are evil and they... Uh, they I won't. am Groot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think Loki just has the right personality to be a dentist, somebody who can make you think you can trust them, and then will turn around and stick and crazy clean things your in teeth. Your That's what I think. I'm scoring that a win for me. Oh, whatever. You have this scorecard. I do have a market advantage by having the scorecard. Oop, I grabbed two by mistake. All right, uh, my next. This person. is very relevant. Go for it, Thanos. Drax. I've gotten all the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you keep getting Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. Yeah, so I have Drax. You have Thanos. 
They okay. hate each other. Making breakfast in bed for a loved one on their birthday. Oh. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go first? I do want to go first. I totally and have I, this. I hate, I really hate to be um, negative. I hate to start with negative press, you know, because I don't really like attack ads, but I'm going to do an attack ad and I apologize. Oh, wow. I'm sure Drax is very lovable, and I'm sure he's got a lot going for him in terms of romantic relationships and compassion, but when you ask for coddled eggs or toad in a hole for breakfast, you're getting like an actual toad in a hole, or like... That's not he fair. He doesn't you, have the ability to understand metaphors. He will bring you raw eggs that he's just been like, holding and warming in his hands. Like, he doesn't understand metaphors and idioms. So, like, eggs Benedict? Is he going to bring you eggs and Benedict Arnold? Like, what kind of breakfast is he going to make for you? Low blow. Low blow, hostile. I apologize, but, you know, everything that I can think of that I like for breakfast has kind of a funny name, and I don't think he's going to bring me the right thing. And Thanos, at some point, will have the Infinity Gauntlet. And I have to imagine, never having read any of these comic books, that one of the uh, um, uh, abilities of the Infinity Gauntlet, once he has all of the gems, is like a super spatula, right? So he can make like really good pancakes. All right, I'm going to jump in here because enough is enough. And I think you crossed a few lines here. One, Thanos is the Mad Titan. That's his name. He is one of the most evil evil beings in the entire galaxy universe. I can't help that I drew him out of a hat. So there's no way he's making anyone breakfast in bed. What is Drax's core motivation? He misses his family. He misses his wife and children. This is a man who knows how to love deeply, completely, and passionately. He doesn't know how to do it ironically. He doesn't know how to do it falsely. He isn't capable of being duplicitous. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And when it comes time to cracking a few eggs and whipping them up for someone that he loves, Drax is going to put 100% care, devotion, and, and integrity into that act. And he's going to do it perfectly and completely for the person that he loves. Care, End of story. devotion, integrity, and love are great. And they're wonderful secret ingredients. But if you don't know the basics... They're not going to save you from salmonella. Yeah, it doesn't matter that he doesn't understand metaphor. He's going to know how to fry an egg. Well, we'll see when you've got food poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Thanos wants to kill everyone in the galaxy. That's true. But isn't it because he wants to impress some girl? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. So he would make her a damn good breakfast in bed. The heads, the severed heads of his enemies over easy. I have the Hulk. I have Thor. (gasps) Yes. I'm going to grab our scenario. So we have Hulk versus Thor. The scenario is working as a salmonie at a five-star restaurant. As a a sommelier? Sommelier, sorry. Oh, so so they're the wine expert. They're the wine expert. The wine list. Hulk versus Thor. Wow. All right. I'm going to try my best here. Okay. So Hulk smash doesn't really have the sort of tenderness and delicacy and sophistication and refinement of as a wine connoisseur and as a wine salesman. 
So that's against him. I'm just going to call it right out. That 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 doesn't look good. He would probably intimidate a lot of people at the restaurant, and um, it would probably make a good SNL sketch, The Incredible Hulk selling wine at a fancy restaurant. But they would never figure out how to end it. No. But there is one advantage that Thor will have. When Thor, or I'm sorry, that Hulk will have. When Hulk says, get this wine, people are going to fucking order that goddamn wine. He's going to be like master of the upsell. <laughs> you know, he's going to be like, best bottle here. Oh, sir, we want the best bottle here. Yes, Mr. Hulk, that's exactly what we'll get. So that's his only advantage is that he is so huge and so intimidating. No one's going to talk back to him. We all appreciate you for trying. That's, that's um, all I got. I don't know that I have to do this. I have to waste my energy, but Thor is a god. Thor lives in Asgard. Thor has tasted the ambrosia and the sweetest foods and sweets and fruits and wines in the entire universe. And he sits atop his like rainbow bridge and eats grapes and drinks the like milk of the nymphs and the goddesses and the dryads and the the rivers of life and memory. Yeah, if there is anybody point. who can like sell you a wine, it's somebody who has been to Asgard and Midgard and all of the, uh, all of the nine worlds. It's somebody who can say this, this wine was aged in a cellar in, you know, a world several levels down from ours. So it's been aged for uh, 2 million years in a cave of, of a Balrog or whatever. And he's gonna he's gonna get you the good shit, and he's gonna sell it because he's also a flirt. And when like a a good looking woman comes into the restaurant, he is going to like beautifully pitch that wine. He's gonna be just excellent, totally charismatic, and he knows his shit. That's like all you can ask for a sommelier is like be really knowledgeable and also charismatic. Hoaxing, buy this wine. <laughs> You want to count that as a win for you? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I think I got that one. Yeah, that's definitely all Thor. Oh, God damn it. Oh, who do you have? Hawkeye. <laughs> you don't like Hawkeye. I have Ant-Man. Oh, God okay, damn it, great. We, we both got like second tier heroes. Great. Ant-Man's at least, cool, at least kind Hawkeye's of. an Avenger. Yeah. All right. Ant-Man's kind of. I don't even think Ant-Man's oh, in. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, what's the scenario? Winning the Easter egg in Ready Player One. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you win the Easter egg, you control the Oasis, right? Yeah, but you have to win it by uh, competing in like 80s themed uh, gamer arcade challenges. Yeah, that's all Ant-Man. It yeah, really that's is. his wheelhouse. Ant-Man is a gamer, an engineer. He knows how to steal things because he's a thief. He can get himself really small, really huge, which he can use in the Oasis. I think this is all Ant-Man. Uh, yeah, I think Ant-Man has a lot of advantages. I, I wouldn't count Hawkeye out because you, this is a guy who like lives on a farm and, and has a family. And like, what do you think he's doing when they go to bed? He's probably lighting up his like his, his Pac-Man machine or his joust. Like, this is a guy who has to kill time when he's not in the Avengers movies and he's... He's probably pretty nerdy, right? Hawkeye? Like, he, he knows what's up. He grew up in that time. Ant-Man might yeah, actually be... I don't know. I think Ant Hawkeye's more of a jock than a nerd. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I don't yeah, think... He doesn't win. strike me as a very big nerdy. Yeah. You win. Yeah, Fine. that's definitely... That's all Ant-Man. Yeah, you win. Yeah, all right, moving on. That was a quick one. Okay. 
All right, who do you have? Valkyrie. The Grand Master. Oh, hey, we got from some- From Thor uh, Ragnarok. We got some Ragnarok. Yeah, the, the immortal Jeff Goldblum. The scenario is hosting a podcast about true crime. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay, great. So both of these characters would be good at this. Would be really good <laughs> yeah. at this. Okay, I'm going to start. Go for um, it. This is a reference. I created this scenario. This is a reference to one of my favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder. Um, if any of you are listeners to that, then you uh, you understand why Valkyrie would absolutely be the best at this. She would because be good at it. It's it's two women, um, one of whom who like drinks throughout the entire thing. Um, and Valkyrie is, of course, a... Substance abuse. Raging alcoholic. Um, And that makes you say funny things sometimes. And when you're talking about true crime, there is nothing better than being able to, like, remove yourself from the horrible, gruesome situations and laugh. Um, But she's also somebody who has been through a lot, and she has seen a lot of trauma, and she has seen crime, and she has seen people get murdered in front of her. So she, Valkyrie is somebody who has the experience and has the emotional connection to it, but would also be able to step back and laugh and give you a really entertaining show. Uh, I would totally listen to her podcast because she's smart. She's a goddamn Valkyrie, and uh, and she knows what she's talking about. She's been there. So the Grand Ma- Master, played by the immortal Jeff Goldblum, has such a great sounding, soothing voice. The inimitable that Jeff everyone's going to want to listen to it. Now the Grand Master is going to do something. He's going to innovate the formula, the true crime, true crime podcast formula. He is going to murder people, kill them himself, and then do a podcast about people investigating the murder that he committed. It probably has really good production value too. God damn. Absolutely. With sparkly lights and all this stuff. Like it's got a, a great social media presence, a whole video component. Like he would go all he's like in. all about Instagram stories. Absolutely. Like he's using everything he can getting himself out there and he is also the one committing the murder and nobody knows it except for him and everybody listening to the podcast. I love that. Yeah. Actually, I think that's really hilarious. <laughs> the Grandmaster would be really awesome strange. at that. Valkyrie would be really good too. I would want to hear both of them together. I think they would be excellent co-hosts of a true crime you know podcast. Maybe they do it together. I think this is our next project. Yeah. We both win. We both win. Moving right along to Killmonger. Gamora. Oh, you don't like Gamora? I want very lame down there. I don't really like the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, Nobody's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Um, Killmonger. Also, you have Killmonger. Yeah, that's a pretty good draw. He's amazing. Okay. Being a starting pitcher for Major League Baseball. Oh, dude, Killmonger would be awesome at that. Would he? Oh, hell yeah. So I'm just going to say. Patience, discipline, study, control, uh, exposure to the elements, all things that Killmonger is just awesome at. Athletic prowess, um, focus, you know, grit, you know, mental rigidity and toughness, uh, all things that are great. You're the, when you're the pitcher, you're the leader of the, the field because that is your game. There, like he would be fantastic at all of those things. I'm gonna unleash a total conspiracy theory here to prove you wrong. Okay. Okay. So, at the beginning of Black Panther, we see Killmonger as a young child, as Eric, playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Right? Basketball is his sport. Mm-hmm. Killmonger is played 
by Michael B. Jordan. There's a movie that came out in the 90s that I think everybody is familiar with called Space Jam, mm-hmm. starring Michael Jordan, the renowned Chicago Bulls basketball player. Two men of the same name playing basketball in their movies, but what else happens in Space Jam? Michael Jordan, the renowned basketball player, decides that he wants to play baseball, and he can't do it. He's really bad at it. He wasn't a pitcher. The skills of basketball are extremely different than the skills of baseball. I, I just don't, I don't think that you could throw Killmonger, whose sport is basketball, and who is not patient. He is, he is explosive, and he is, uh, he's got a lot of anger, and it's all righteous, and it's all necessary. But all that rage goes right on the mound. You know, you I don't gotta, think he can control it. you got to have some major anger to, to be a pitcher out there. I don't think he's got enough control for it. So your argument that he couldn't be a good starting pitcher is because there's a scene where he holds a basketball in the, when he's a kid. That's your argument. No, but also his character. I think he's, he's not measured enough to play baseball at all. Well, I think Gil, he's too explosive. Gilmora would be bad at it. Okay. She'd be a terrible Major League Baseball player. You know? I, you've noticed I haven't said anything about her <laughs> yeah. because she wouldn't be good at it. She I'm just be... trying to knock down Killmonger. Yeah, yeah. She would be she would be the worst at it because uh, she would just be too busy trying to you know throw those at her enemies. But she's like a trained assassin too, which means she has training and she has she has measure and she's somebody who can actually control herself uh, and she's not like super um, influenced by emotions and anger the way that Killmonger is. And I think that's why Killmonger would be actually a a basketball star if he tried to do it or any of those sports that are much more, um, much more not athletic because obviously baseball is athletic, but much more fast paced. I think Killmonger would be excellent at, but a slower paced game like baseball or golf or something like that isn't going to really work for Killmonger because I think he needs, he needs the action. Especially right. as a pitcher, I think he if he was playing baseball, he would need to be uh, at bat. We're down to our last two. Let's move on. Okay. And we're down to our last scenario. I have Black Widow. Doctor Strange. Okay, what's the scenario? The scenario is being a customer service rep at a major cable company. Oh, my God. <laughs> Doctor Strange... <laughs> <laughs> bing, bing, bing. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble with my service. And you get Dr. Fucking Strange. No. <laughs> Hold on. Let me just use my little twirly thing, go into your house, and then fix your... Oh, he might be great at it, actually, because he could just do the little twirly thing and teleport and go and fix the person's cable. And Does then... he know how to fix cable, though? I don't think so, but... No. He, knows, he learned magic really quickly. I think but, fixing cable, it can't be that much harder. But customer service isn't about fixing things, right? Customer service is about serving empathy. the customer. It's about empathy, and that's not Doctor Strange at all. No, he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> Natasha, Natasha Romanoff... She has empathy. Black Widow has empathy. She's a spy, so she can fake empathy really well. She wears wigs and, you know, does performance art all the time where she's pretending to be someone that she's not and goes undercover. So she's really good at that. But she's also like a genuinely empathetic and compassionate person. She falls in love with Bruce Banner and she's so good to him and she can talk down the Hulk 
and turn him back into a human because oh, she's dude. that good at yeah, calming she, people down. She would be great at like, customer service. She would be so good at customer <laughs> she service. She really would be. Just imagine like calling and screaming at this woman and she's like, sun's going down, buddy. Sun's yeah. going down. And you're just suddenly not angry anymore. <laughs> yeah. She was born for customer service. Yeah. She, she missed her calling. She can interrogate. She should have worked for Comcast. She can interrogate supervillains. I think she can convince someone that's mad at their cable bill that everything's okay. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor yeah, Strange would do be it. terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> he really wouldn't be good at all. But yeah, Black Widow definitely wins that one easily. Though Doctor Strange would have some fun with it. Oh yeah, he totally would. Yeah, there would definitely be some fun with it. I stopped scoring, by the way. Yeah, no. Yeah, you, I was trying. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. We all. Everybody wins. So do you have any predictions for the Infinity War? Uh, I don't have a lot of predictions. I've been watching some of the like Nerdist uh, things and trying to figure out what's going to happen. I think it's going to be pretty pretty goddamn explosive. I think that somebody's probably going to die. I think they're probably right about that. Um, I know that we can look at whose contracts are up and whose aren't. Um, but I am, I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic because I think it's a really large roster and... Uh, I I don't know how they're going to handle it and whether it's going to remain compelling the entire time, but I really hope that it is. I want this to be really, really awesome. Sweet. Same here. Yeah. I want it to be really, really awesome. I'm totally stoked. Should be lots of fun. And uh, this was a total fun, just yeah. BS, boomerangarang, game special. Play along at home, guys. We'll be back with a regular episode later this week. And I imagine somewhere down the line, we'll be back with our thoughts on Infinity War. We'll share those with you somehow or another. Um, it's really, it's fun to be able to take the subject matter that we work with pretty seriously sometimes and just strip it down and have a lot of fun with it. So uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at The Midnight Myth. We're on Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast, and we're on Facebook as well. Visit our website, www.midnightmyth.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts if you have the time. And until next time, guys, be kind. Be kind. Be kind.